Health is everything. Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. La santé est tout. Health is everything. Health is everything. Hi, I'm Eleanor Barrett, age 8, and you're listening to Health is Everything, No Kidding, a podcast from the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health. When my mom was 8, she had a radio show called No Kidding, a talk show where she interviewed doctors about health issues that matter to kids. So now I'm 8, and it's my turn, and there's a lot to talk about. Health is Everything I'm heading back to school soon. Well, virtual school, and then maybe in-person school. Oh, honestly, I have no idea what's happening, but at some point I think I'm going back to school, and it's going to be different. I'll have to wear a mask, and we're supposed to be socially distanced. Our desks aren't going to be close together, and at lunch we can't all smush into one table. I'm getting used to the mask thing, sort of, but I don't want to be socially distanced from my friends. I hug them, we share stuff under the table, and even when we aren't supposed to. So I'm going back to school this year, and it's going to be different. And I think it's important that kids understand why it's all happening the way it is. Here to talk us through this is Dr. Malia Jones, an epidemiologist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Epidemiologists study the cause and spread of disease, what we are all talking about these days. And Dr. Jones studies the social aspects of public health. That means she studies how place and space and groupings of people impact our health outcomes. She is absolutely the right person to talk as we think about heading back to school. Dr. Jones is an associate scientist and the author of a children's book called A Kid's Book About COVID-19. It's for kids from ages 5 to 10 years old and, and their parents. It's free and, and available at a kid's book about com. Just search for COVID-19 on the site. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jones. Thank you for having me on. I'm going into fourth grade. My sister is going into second grade. My brother is starting 4K. For my sister and me, we're starting school online, and then we're hoping to get into a new classroom in a few weeks. My brother hopes to start school soon, in person, though. What are these phased reopenings? Well, what you talked about was this idea of phased reopenings or that some kids are going to go back to school, especially the younger age groups might go back to school before the older age groups go. And the reason for doing that is because, as you know, COVID-19 is an infectious disease and it spreads through the air. And um, basically, in order to catch it, you need to be in this sharing the same air with someone else. And so the fewer kids that we have returning to school all at the same time, the less risk there is that there's going to be any COVID-19 spreading in the schools. So one way schools are trying to um, manage the, the pandemic and get kids back to school in person is by having the younger grades return first. And it's, it's the younger kids for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, for 4K and kindergarten and even first grade, it's very hard to do virtual learning when you can't read yet and use a computer. And so um, in terms of learning goals, it's more important for those younger kids to be in person in the classroom. Of course, we, all, we want all kids to be in person because virtual learning is harder to do, um, but it's most hard for those youngest age groups. And then the second reason is because youngest kids, the younger kids are, it seems like from what we know about the disease so far, 
the younger kids are, the less likely they are to have a really serious case of COVID-19. And so it's probably a little safer for them than it is, especially for older kids like teenagers. But all summer long, my mom has told me that we always had to be outside when we were in public. No eating in, at restaurants, no hanging out with friends inside. And she hasn't even let me come to the grocery store for, I think, even six months. But school's going to be inside. Is that safe? Well, it could be safe if we take some steps to make sure that it is safe. Um, so it's a little bit complicated question to answer, and it's going to be different in every location. But I'll tell you this. The less COVID-19 there is circulating in your neighborhood and in your city or town, the less likely that anyone in school is going to have a case of COVID-19. So if there are no cases in your neighborhood, then uh, there, could be, there aren't going to be any cases in your school. And so one of our big goals for uh, making it safe to return to school is actually outside of school to limit how many people are catching COVID-19. And so a lot of states have an order that everyone has to wear a mask anytime they go anywhere. You know, we, ha we have had all kinds of um, activities canceled and limits on travel and all sorts of measures that are really intended to keep people from passing around COVID-19 and limit the number of cases that might end up in the school setting. The other thing I'll say is that I mentioned this before, but um, is it safe for kids? Kids very, very, very rarely get a really serious case of COVID-19. Kids can get it and they might feel quite sick, like they have the, the flu or another you know, bad virus, but very, very rarely do they end up in the hospital. It's not as safe for adults. And so one of the big concerns with kids going back to school is because of course, all the teachers are adults, and so we want to make sure to keep them safe, too. But haven't masks been shown to prevent the spread of COVID? If, I'm, if I wear my mask, it protects other people. If you wear your mask, you're protecting me from your germs. And I know I need to wear them. But masks all day long? What if I know this is? What if I sneeze? And if I do go back to school... I know I'll have to wear a mask, but what else will happen? What probably won't happen? Masks, even a, a non-medical grade like a fabric face covering of any kind have, have been shown to reduce the chances that a person who's sick spreads COVID-19 to anyone else. And so very likely in schools when they're in person, we're going to be asking everyone to wear a mask. Some of the other measures that are going to be taken inside of schools are things like uh, it'll be different for every school, and I think it'll depend to some extent on how many people in the community are spreading the disease and also how able the schools are to make changes to the school day and, and the physical environment in the school. But some of those changes might be that you might have a hybrid schedule where you only go in person a couple days a week and you're virtual the other days. You might end up with a smaller size, smaller group of kids in your classroom. So instead of 20 or 30 kids, you might have a group that's just 15 kids in your classroom. Part of that is to make it possible to spread the desks further apart. Some other changes might be that there's going to be a lot more call for hand washing, trying to prevent big groups of kids from getting together. So yeah. um, many schools will not have like sports or you know assemblies or a big lunchroom full of people. So I know I'm supposed to be social distancing, but if I'm going to in-person school with someone, does that mean I'm in a team with them? Like, can I have a sleepover? <laughs> I know you're super excited to have a friend over for a sleepover, but 
part of the goal with all these changes in school is to make it so you're not sharing germs with those people who are in your classroom. So hopefully, no, you won't be in a team or a bubble with all the people in your classroom. And the reason we want to prevent that is because those bubbles very quickly get extremely big um, and included a lot of people. So if you think about, you know, in your family, you have a brother who's going into 4K in one classroom, and then you have you and your sister who are each in your own classrooms. So when the three of you come home, you could be bringing home the germs of all the kids from all three of those classrooms. And then, of course, everybody else goes to their homes and shares germs with their brothers and sisters and parents. And so what we really want to do is not think about the classroom as a bubble or um, a team, but try and keep germs from spreading from one kid to another in those classrooms. And that's why everybody has to wear a mask and assemblies are not going to be happening and all of those other changes. If we can't have assemblies or play with kids in other grades for this year, I understand that, but I don't want this to last forever. What do you think the social impact of the virus is going to be just on school? What do you think it will look like in the future? Will it go back to normal? One is that um, I really wish scientists were fortune tellers and not scientists. A lot of people are asking me to try to predict the future lately, and my crystal ball doesn't seem to be working very well. So I think where this is coming from is there's so much uncertainty around us right now that it's really hard to deal with and, and can be very stressful to think about the fact that we just don't know how long this is going to last. I will say, though, that I think It's not going to last forever. There has been some really good progress already on making a vaccine for COVID-19. And we will get to a point where we have a vaccine and probably a better treatment for people who do get it. And at that point, I think that life will go back to pretty much normal. We'll probably always have COVID-19 around, but it'll be a little bit more like seasonal influenza or you know, the, a cold or some other disease virus that circulates. And sometimes there's a pretty big outbreak and other years there's not so much of it. So it'll become sort of a cyclical, um, but not, you know, all of these tremendous changes to our lives. So, like so if, it won't go on forever. So it, like hopefully we'll go back to normal, but we don't know that, but we just... Well, I think we will... You know, if I had to guess what the future holds, I would say I think we will go back to normal eventually. But I don't know how long that'll take. I don't think it'll happen this school year. And so, you know, in terms of trying to wrap our heads around all this uncertainty, it's probably a good bet to just plan on this school year being really unusual. And for my own kids, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is, you know, how are we going to remember this really unique moment in history and this unique school year? There's only going to be one or maybe two um, cohorts of fourth graders ever who deal with the pandemic. And so, you know, someday in the future, there's going to be some researcher, historian who wants to read your pandemic journal and see what it was like to be in this really unique time. And then I think things will go back to normal. Once we have an effective vaccine and a lot of people have gotten it, I, I think most things will return to the way they were. Will I always have to wear a mask inside in our school? No. Once we, um, once we have that vaccine rolled out, we are very unlikely to be wearing a mask at school. Good. But for a lot of kids, school is the place where they get meals and where they feel safe, especially 
if things are difficult at home. This pandemic seems like it will hurt those families the most. How can I help? How can kids work together and make sure everyone in our generation gets education and support we need? That is a great question, and it's one of the tougher ones that you've asked me. But um, I'll I'll try and explain my thoughts on this. So one of the tough things and interesting things about the work that I do as an epidemiologist is I don't really study individual single person choices and behaviors. Uh, I study how lots of people making similar decisions at the same time can sort of scale up and turn into a much bigger pattern. And those are called population studies. And in this case, actually, the thing that kids can do to work together and help all of the kids get back to school, especially those ones who need it the most, because they rely on school for food or because their home environments are um, difficult, is actually just do the things that you've been doing all along. Um, Wash your hands frequently, wear your mask, and try to prevent spreading germs between you. Because those little individual behaviors are what we all need to do in order to get the pandemic under control locally and make sure that everyone can go back to school. And so it's actually, you know, the same things that we're already asking you to do are the things that kids can do to make sure those families are supported and get back to normal as quickly as possible. The work that you do and the things that you study are really cool. My grandmother was an epidemiologist too. How did you become a social epidemiologist? And if there are other kids who want to do the same kind of work you do, what steps do we take to get there? I became a social epidemiologist sort of by accident. What happened was um, I have always been my whole life long, I've had an insatiable curiosity and I'm always asking questions. And in addition to that, I've always loved maps. And so I was always in school really drawn to the subjects where I could play with maps and study the the spatial patterns that you see on a map. Eventually, I went to college. I actually majored in something completely different, but I was still drawn to those spatial studies and and how maps affect the places we go, affect our lives, and how maps can be sort of a visual presentation of the patterns in our society. So eventually I decided to go to graduate school to study spatial dimensions of disease. And one of the things that has a lot of spatial dimensions is actually people who don't want to vaccinate their kids and measles outbreaks that stem from from uh, those groups of people who don't want to vaccinate their children. And so I st- one of the things I study is actually infectious diseases and how they have spatial patterns. So I went to an, a lot of years of school to get to where I am. But more generally, I would say that I have always pursued my curiosity and fostered my interest in maps. If you could tell kids heading back to school one last bit of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I kind of already said this, but I think there's an opportunity here. Um, Even though a lot of the things that we're being asked to do right now are super annoying, it's also going to be a really different year. And so virtual learning and all the other changes might provide an opening for you to pursue some new interests that you have not pursued before. I would encourage kids to pursue something that really interests them and make that a part of their this very unique school year that will probably never happen again in your lifetime. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. It was terrific to talk to you, and I learned a lot. I hope other kids feel more prepared for the school year ahead. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Health is everything. Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. La santé est tout. 健康就是一切 Health is everything. Health is everything. Thank you for listening to Health is Everything. No kidding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, or rate it on Apple Podcasts. You can visit us at exploringhealth.org and follow the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health at Emory C S H H on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time.